Gringo in Latin America, episode number five. Gringo in Latin America is powered by Arte Agave. Arte Agave is in D.C., Texas, and New York. It's a celebration of Latin culture through music, heritage, culinary, and all deep diving into tequila and mezcal. So check out Arte Agave in your city. Episode number five is with Melissa Castro. She's the founder of La Conexion. Uh, It's a Latino marketplace focused on sharing in the diversity in Latin cuisine and fostering cultural exchanges. Uh, We had a great conversation on Latin culture, on the cuisine. Um, She does a lot of philanthropy. And uh, has been working very, very hard right now with uh, COVID-19, making sure everyone in the Latin community is getting some food, getting something to eat. And uh, she's watching over the um, hospitality industry as well. So take a seat, grab a bite to eat, and uh, deep dive into this episode with us. Uh, Melissa, how are you doing? What's, what's going on with you? I'm better. I'm better than last week, getting used to the pandemic and everything that's happening. Yeah. How's, uh, how's your family doing? They're all right. We had a bit of a scare last week. Um, I know we were supposed to do this recording uh, last last week, and uh, my sister is a receptionist at a health clinic, um, so she has a lot of contact with COVID patients. Um, oh, and she was with my mother, so I was a little worried that um, something could have happened. But everyone's clear. Everyone's COVID free uh, for the time being. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I guess I just want to start off with maybe, you know, tell everyone a little bit about, you know, who you are and, and your background and, and what you do, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, it's been a journey. Uh, so my name is Melissa Castro. I started my career um, in digital advertising um, in New York City, really started off as a media planner doing search and display marketing, uh, which is where we met our mutual friend, uh, Sky. Uh, from there, uh, I think when you're first starting off with any career, you're trying to figure out what you love and dislike about it. Um, I transitioned from media planning into client services and project management, which definitely fit my more uh, my type A personality that I have. Um, and you know, after nine years, I decided I wanted to go back to school and pivot into the food industry. I felt like I needed to get my MBA to do that, um, so I went to Babson uh, Olin School of Graduate uh, Management to to do that. And you know, it's been a transformative experience since then. Um, I was able to successfully uh, pivot into the food industry. Um, right now, I'm the director of business development uh, for Commonwealth Kitchen. And for those of you who don't know or, or know anything about Commonwealth Kitchen, it's a food business incubator out of Boston, Mass. Um, we help uh, food entrepreneurs uh, who either have catering businesses, a food truck, or a CPG product that they're trying to launch. Um, so we do a lot of educational business coaching um, when we have a large uh, kitchen facility uh, where they use our shared kitchen space uh, to produce their goods to sell to the public. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm connected with you on Instagram with uh, La Conexion. Is that the business that you kind of just talked about? Is that or that another separate entity as well? Yeah, separate entity. I think, um, I don't know how much you know about BAPS in college, but we're known to be the number one school for entrepreneurship. Um, cool. And I was drinking the Kool-Aid while I was there. I said, you know, I want to make my my own thing. I want to have uh, something that's related to bringing people together over food. Uh, so I grew up in a small uh, household um, in Washington Heights, where my mother operated a small catering business. And it was beautiful to watch her always bring in neighbors or strangers from the street uh, to eat her food and how um, when you sat around a dinner table, you actually realized that you had more in common than you did differences with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to bring back that element. Um, and I had this notion 
of uh, creating a marketplace of some sort, a future food hall that really focused on Latin cuisine. I think there's a lot of um, misinterpretation of what Latin cuisine is in today's uh, dining industry. A lot of people think it's tacos, it's empanadas, which it is, but there's so much more uh, to what we do, um, how we make it, the culture behind it, and um, what it means to people. Uh, so I've uh, launched La Conexión, really curating authentic culinary experiences where um, we're either cooking and doing demos for people or um, really emphasizing on the different products that Latin Americans make here in the city um, and sharing that with people. And I love that. Wow, that's that's really cool. So, I mean, I know you'd mentioned, you know, that you do events, you know, obviously that's not happening right now. You it's know, not. what? Yeah, it's I, I'm I'm a guy who's in the events game, so I'm I'm completely shut down. Um, you know what? What if anything are are you able to do with food and bringing people together or getting food to other people? Um, you know, how have you sort of pivoted that um, into sure. into anything else? Absolutely. Um, I I think my mother she's she's a real genius and the chef behind the kitchen. Uh, so I, I've been doing a few Zoom cooking classes with her in the background, kind of telling cool. me what she's making. Um, I think oftentimes the matriarchs of the family don't get enough credit. Um, and they're really, they're not trained. They never went to culinary school. They're not, um, you know, making fancy uh, Instagram posts about what they make, but they're truly uh, very knowledgeable in the kitchen. Uh, so me and my mother record, record ourselves cooking um, and people tend to like it. Um, people are really engaged and people are at home. They don't have much to do. Uh, so really trying to use ingredients that you would normally have in your uh, kitchen pantry um, and trying to make dishes that way for people to enjoy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what, you know, obviously you're, you're connected to the Latin community and, and the restaurants. Um, you know, we're in COVID-19 right now. So it, like what, if anything, are you seeing, are you hearing? I mean, I'm, I've hosted a couple of industry roundtables with owners and operators. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite bars in New York City just announced uh, Pegu Club is closing for good. Oh, um, I love Pegu. Were, everyone does. Yeah. yeah but I, I talked to the owner the other day. She's like, we're going to announce it and we, we can we can never reopen. So, you know, from what you're seeing, even in the Latin community or people that you know, you know, what's the state of the industry? Uh, good, the bad, the ugly, in your opinion? Yeah, I think there's two sides of the spectrum, um, whether it relates to Latin people or just uh, these people in general. I think our community is has been hit hard by COVID-19. The restaurant industry is shot. Uh, those that are still operating are minimally, you know, selling maybe 20 meals a day, which is not sustainable for them yeah. to stay open. Um, it's unfortunate that a lot of the businesses that I work with, um, with uh, through Commonwealth Kitchen are actually not going to be here. Um, mm in a few weeks or, you know, post pandemic. So really kind of understanding that reality and uh, what do you do next? Um, this is their livelihood. They spent so much money and invested so much time into these small businesses. Um, on the other spectrum, you know, there's individuals uh, that don't have the privilege to work from home like you and I. Uh, you and I are creative. We can figure it out. Uh, but there's people who are in the front lines. I know our ideology of what a frontline worker uh, is really shifted into the medical industry, which is true. Uh, but there's also still people uh, cooking in these kitchens. For example, at Commonwealth Kitchen, we've pivoted our um, internal operations to do uh, emergency food uh, for the city of Boston. Um, so there's people that are exposing themselves every day. 
Um, they're in the kitchen. And yes, we're taking safety precautions. We're taking our temperatures. Um, we're wearing masks and gloves, but they're still risking their lives and going back to their families at home in order to provide meals for people. Um, so it's bittersweet. Yes, um, yeah. the community has been hit hard. Um, some are not working, but others don't have the, the privilege to stay at home. Um, so they, they have to risk themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, I, it, it's, it's, it just stinks. You know what I mean? We're, we're sitting here and I, I had all these owners and operators I was talking to and nobody knows anything. And then they're like, well, if I do get a loan, it goes to the staff, but some of the staff is already getting relief from the, the government. And, and, and if I do open in a month, I can only open at 25% capacity. So, you know, the best minds that I was talking to are just like putting their hands up being like, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the next steps are. So um, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely a time to pivot and get creative. I have seen yeah. uh, a lot of companies shift uh, their strategy into e-commerce. I feel like it was always there, but now really digging into it and getting creative. Um, we've had a few of our companies starting to do cooking classes online and teaching people um, how to do very basic things like banana bread, which most of us have these ingredients at home. So how do you get creative um, with, with the work that you do? Um, you know, I think it's e-commerce is the future. I think we've dabbled into, um, you know, the, the grocery delivering platforms and things of that nature and Amazon. Um, but now we're relying on it even more. Um, and we've seen a lot of members who are selling online and their sales are up compared yeah. to uh, pre-pandemic. So it just depends what side of the spectrum you're on. Yeah, I know. I talk to a lot of liquor brands and, uh, you know, have these, you know, calls and they see what I'm doing and they're like, how do we work together? And then I am like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, we're busy. Like retail is up yeah. 37% at some oh, company. <laughs> so they're, everyone's drinking. Yeah. So they're crushing. And I I, I did a, a bartender event yesterday about in how to connect the brands and brands are like, we're hiring. We're still hiring and wow. people can't believe it, but they're up, you know, 37% across the board in, in retail. So I love that, you know, it's there. And what I try to tell people is, you know, follow some of these brands, follow what's going on. Don't, don't stay in your box, you know, don't stay at home, just drinking and Netflixing, um, you know, try to get creative. And, 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 you know, I told someone to hop on LinkedIn yesterday and the guy was like, what's LinkedIn? And I was like, come on. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> you you know, get what the pandemic is teaching us. It's, you know, we always have excuses for things that we can't do, whether it's mm. going to the gym, whether it's working on your business, yeah. plan, whether it's, uh, I've always wanted to meditate. I just don't have enough time for it. Um, well, now you have time. Uh, you know, I think uh, my internal goal for me is, you know, when someone asks me a few years from now, what did you do during the pandemic? I want to have a really solid answer for them and something that makes me feel good about what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you know, going back to some people don't have opportunities like, like you and I have, even before the pandemic, you know, what's your just thoughts on, you know, race disparities or, you know, one, one set of people getting paid more than another. Um, you know, I don't know if you could dive into, I, I've, you know, reading La Connexion on Instagram, it kind of mentions pay diversity amongst different groups and people. Um, you know, how, how much of that is, is, is right is real how much of that is you know can you talk on you know the state of even before the pandemic mm -hmm. how you know diversity changes and and the money scale is completely different you know if you could jump into that and, and any of your thoughts yeah, on it i'll do my best 
<laughs> I always I always lean on the restaurant industry because it's what I'm most connected to at the moment. And yeah. it's interesting that uh, when you go into a back kitchen, most of the individuals that are uh, prepping the meals or cooking the meals are actually look like me. Um, but for some reason, they don't tend to get the credit uh, for the 50 or $30 plate that you pay um, in the front of the house. Uh, and I, I want to change that, right? I think I always, when I hire a chef to do a cooking demo with me or anything of that nature, I always try to pay them a lot more than what their what minimum wage is because I believe that they deserve that. Uh, again, just because they didn't go to culinary school or have the accolades, the accolades that uh, some of these uh, well-known chefs do doesn't mean that they don't need or deserve to get paid the same. You know, even at work right now, uh, we made a decision internally that uh, for any um, hourly workers that we brought on board, we were going to pay them 35% more than what they were p- getting paid before. Um, just to show them that they do matter, we do value them, that we wouldn't be able to do this work without them. Um, I think the pandemic is teaching our society uh, to value people more, right? Uh, some of these uh, restaurants that are still open or some of these businesses that are deemed essential that are still open, their backbone are uh, minorities, immigrants, uh, women, people of color. Um, and it's a matter of valuing them by, by paying them more. Um, I don't see it happen enough, uh, but hopefully uh, what we're going through right now shifts people's mindset um, and changes that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And I mean, I, my background is 20 years bartending in, in New York City. I've definitely, you know, it's definitely gotten better where, you know, it's like the guy, the Latin guy was was your bar back. And that's yeah. sort of how it was. And, and it's definitely changed a little bit um you know I, I think for the better over the last last 20 years mm-hmm. um at least um so yeah i think it, i think it's good i think you know to me it's just having these conversations and and not putting people in a certain um bucket if you will it's like oh you're from here then you do this and uh you right. know so it, i i've definitely seen it getting better um yeah. which which is great um as things change people change um you know bartenders become owners and then they're like, I hated how this owner treated it. Right. Um, but it's, it's still there, you know, I would also add, uh, Walter, you know, at least the people that I have around me, I, I try to sit down with them and empower them. Um, you know, especially people that I mentor or things of that nature. I'm just like, you deserve so much more than this. I'm yeah. not to ask for it sometimes. And, yeah. you know, some of these individuals just don't feel empowered. Um, you know, I've mm. always had a mentor, uh, every stage of my life. I feel very fortunate to, to have that. But some of these individuals that I work with don't have anyone that's coaching them or telling them right from wrong. And I think sometimes it's just a matter of empowering that next person who reminds you a little bit about yourself and when you were in their shoes. And, you know, don't be afraid. Just ask for a bit more and justify why you deserve to be paid a little more. Yeah. And that's that's good. It's, it's I think some people are just scared to do it or scared to ask or scared to be promoted. Um, I worked at a hotel and I had a guy that he was a bar back at the restaurant. He came over, helped me out one day and he was amazing. And I was like, we got to hire this guy. And they were like, he doesn't speak English. Um, and he didn't speak any English at all. But one day in the locker room, I saw him and he had a book and he, what he was doing every hour before his shift, he would come into the locker room, sit down. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm learning English. And, um, you know, he, he was a guy that, he wanted to, to bar back and I wanted to, I wanted to make him a bartender. And he was like, no, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I literally took him under my wing. I said, listen, dude, you're give me six, six months, keep learning English. And, uh, you know, the owners were kind of like, ah, this guy's not going to bartend. I'm like in six months, this guy's going to be a bartender. 
And uh, sure enough, it took about it took about nine months to, to ten months, but he was taking orders, he was ringing stuff in, um, you know, it was great. And he was just, you know, it, he just had that kind of mentality that I think some people need is just like, yeah, I could do it. I, I could, you know, I, I could figure this out. And um, you know, if you get enough people around them and coach them, like you said, right. take them under your wing, you know, you could really help anybody out. So yeah, yeah. but I, I'm sure you saw a level of grit in him uh, that you probably don't see in a lot of people. Um, that probably is what made you gravitate to him, right? He was a beast. Yeah, he was he was amazing and you know friendly and hard worker and just the fact that I saw him like learning English like in the locker room, sitting on the floor while people are changing around him, and I was like, "What are you doing? Are you reading?" He's like, "I'm studying English." And I was like, "Wow." So, well, like, that's question for you: How's your Spanish? Okay, so it's <laughs> terrible. Um, and I get this question a lot. So this is kind of the reason for the podcast is I've, you know, if anyone knows who I am, I do a lot of events around the Latin community and every year I just start doing more and more and more. And for the last couple of years, a lot of people that know me and they know what I'm doing and they know I mean, well, they're they're They ask the same question. They're like, come on, dude. Like, what, what are you doing? You don't even speak Spanish. So I have the app Duolingo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, I was doing it for about six months and I'd say I, I understand maybe 12 to 15%. Um, but it's not enough. It's totally not enough. And, and even telling that story, like I was just like, man, this kid is learning English and I can't even take 15 minutes out of my day, um, to learn Spanish. So to answer your question, long story short is it's not good. Um, but you're working on it. I was, and for some reason, I'm not working on it as much as I, I am. But I think, um, like I said, I have the app now, and I'm doing trying to do 10 minutes a day. But I need to, I need to go deeper. So you, you just fair enough. Definitely, definitely called me out. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I the the people that I've seen have really learned another language, do it through traveling. Um, yeah. Like I have friends who've spent, you know, who are not from the Dominican Republic, who have spent their summer there. Um, and it's remarkable to see how much they learn when they come back. And I always ask, like, how did you learn Spanish so quickly? And like when you're uncomfortable constantly, you start to remember mm. out of, uh, not desperation, but a dire need, right? If you don't know how to ask to use the bathroom or where the bathroom is, you're going to remember that one time when they tell you, oh, el baño. Okay. Yes. I'm going to remember yeah. the word. So I think sometimes we just have to make ourselves uncomfortable. Um, you know, that gentleman that you were talking about who was reading the book in the locker room, he was constantly uncomfortable and he felt the need to teach himself. Right. Mm. Uh, so maybe that's some homework for your quarantine uh, pandemic. It is. And, you know, to your point of uncomfort, like I had a couple people, some of my sponsors, I did Arte Agave in DC and a couple of my sponsors, we, we got along really well. And she, she started talking to me in Spanish and then email and text me in Spanish. And, oh, man. And, she's like, and she's like, come on, Walt, come on. Like, if you're going to do this, you got to go do this. So, all right, let me ask you a question. Like, if say I started, I don't know, 30 minutes a day, how, how should it take me about six months until I can really have good conversations, nine months? What's your, it's hard to gauge the timing. I feel like it's more about like immersing yourself in it. If, if yeah. you told me that you were going to Mexico or Colombia and you were spending two months there and you weren't talking to anyone who spoke English, it would be a lot faster then you do Duolingo here and maybe having a 30 minute conversation with me once a week. Right. I think it's about yeah. how, how deep you're immersing yourself into it. Uh, okay. Well, I think, I think I've got to, 
I've got to set a date. Like, I, I think I'm going to, like, right now, on camera, on video. So we got to do this again, maybe in six months. Okay. And have conversations in Spanish. I think, like, I've got to, you know, I've got to get uncomfortable. I've got to put it down on record and make myself accountable. And, um, yeah. Okay. I think that's, I'm gonna that's really what I... I'm going to hold you to that. Six months? So we'll do end of year. We'll give you a few extra weeks. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm writing it down. End of year. We might have All to right. get you a subscription to, um, what's the like uh, series the that you buy if you want to learn a new language? Um, I don't know if it's video. Oh. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I just use the app Duolingo. There's also Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone, yeah, that's what that I was you could use. Yeah. Yep. Or um, you could also add right. maybe it's a you know weekly conversation with someone who only speaks to you in Spanish, and you could do it via Zoom. So I, lo I love how this this whole thing is turned <laughs> back on on me right now. All right, I'm I'm putting it down. I'm putting it in. I'm going to announce it on everywhere. There you go. Um, and if I fail, it's going to be on no, me. You're not gonna, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think the beautiful part about, you know, I think my mother, when I was younger, um, I was born here in the States, um, but my mother doesn't speak English. Uh, so at home, we always spoke mm. Spanish. And I remember her forcing me to go to bilingual courses. And I would always tell her, Mommy, I know, I know English and I know Spanish. I don't need to be in the ESL classes. And she's just like, I want you to take these classes. It's important for you to learn Spanish and not let it go. Um, and I remember always fighting her for it. Um, as an adult, now I understand why she did it. Um, it's a beautiful thing to be able to help someone who's in need, particularly when it's just a language barrier. Um, you know, yesterday we had someone contact us uh, via uh, our contact us form online and she said, you know, I'm Latina. I haven't been able to leave my home in a month. I have an autoimmune system uh, disorder um, and I'm undocumented. Is there any way that you mm. guys can provide me with meals? Um, it's not something that we do. We don't do door-to-door -door service. Uh, we usually partner yeah. with community partners, things of that nature. And I just felt so compelled. I called her immediately. I was like, I speak Spanish. I can help you. I'm going to be at your doorstep in 30 minutes. And the look at her face, uh, on her face when I gave her the meals and spoke to her in Spanish, there's there's no other feeling. Um, so I'm excited for you to, to learn yeah. um, and hold you accountable to it because your relationships are going to be that much deeper, especially in the industry that you are and what you do. You're just going to get so much more out of it. Yeah, I um, I failed it in high school um, really oh, bad. No. And then, you know, being in the restaurant industry for 20, 20 years, people are just like, what? You don't speak anything? Like it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like, so, yeah. Um, so, so to get off the subject of me, um, <laughs> what, um, you know, kind of, kind of your, I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, Latin America, you know, is so vast and, and has so much history, you know, do you feel it's represented in USA, in the U S today and, and like in the school system? Like, you know, I don't know what your background, where you, where you went to like high school and stuff, but is it represented at all? Is it represented enough? You know, I don't really know. So I yeah. want your opinion on. It's a, it's a question that comes up often, uh, at least in my circle, um, Walter, the answer is no. Right. Yeah. Um, I think 
um, when people think of Latin culture, they think of reggaeton, they think of uh, empanadas, they think of uh, some of these icons like J-Lo and Bad Bunny, which which is true. That's who we are. Um, but there's so much more to to the people, to uh, the contributions that we made to, to the U.S. and um, to society as a whole. And I just don't think we're teaching that in the classrooms. Uh, it's definitely different in other countries, right? But in America, uh, the, the what we learn in, in the classroom, what we're reading is very focused on America and, and who we are here now, today. Um, there's definitely more we can be doing. You know, even something as simple as a lot of people don't know the difference between a Latino and Hispanic, right? And I yeah. constantly have to kind of teach people, uh, you know, what's the difference, right? And, you know, a Latino refers to people who are from uh, or are descendants from Latin America, which I feel like, to me, it's very clear, Latino, Latin America, and Hispanics are people uh, who speak Spanish, right? Or come can come from another country, but yet just happen to speak that language. Um, I have a lot mm. of people call me Spanish, and I'm like, I'm not from Spain. Um, and, it, and it sucks sometimes because you're not trying to correct someone in that instance. It's just like, it's not that hard. You just have to pay attention for a little while. Um, yeah. And you'll get it, right? Uh, but there's definitely more we can be doing. Uh, but I also hold uh, Latinos accountable, right? And every moment that I have, I always try to make yeah. a teaching moment and teach others like, hey, it's actually pronounced this way. My name is, my last name is Castro, but I'm actually from the Caribbean and, and that's okay. I think if you do it in a in a nice cordial way, I, I think people won't get offended. Yeah. What? Um. Uh, sorry, I'm just checking some of the audio here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I I was talking to somebody the other day, um, and she had posted, um, you know, so so when we we started um, Arte Agave, we had like Latino culture. We had the O on it. Um, and someone's like, Hey, you got to take that off a couple years ago. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Um, and then I see the X around, um, a lot. And then I was talking to someone the other day and it seems, I don't really understand the, the X. I know people are trying to be gender neutral. Um, but I've seen some people say, Hey, this is the language is not really gender neutral. So why are you putting an X in front of it? So I'm kind of on in this discovery of wh- why are people putting Latin X? And is it, should we be doing it? Should we not be doing it? I think there's a lot of people like me that are just like, I don't, I don't know. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. So I kind of wanted to know your perspective yeah. around it. And tough question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not an expert on, um, you know, lexicon or, or languages. Uh, I think as a, as a, as people were evolving, right. Um, I think the non-binary gender neutral, um, point of view or aspect to our culture is real. It's happening. We see it in the media. Uh, I think it's a matter of uh, something that's been so uh, fixed for a very long time. It's beginning to change and that's rubbing some people the wrong way. Right. If I were to sit down here and have this conversation with my mom, she'd be like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're a man and a woman and that's it. Um, But obviously I grew up in a very different era than she did. She did. And I understand that you know, there's some people who don't identify a certain way or there's some people who do and we need to create a space for them to feel comfortable and have things that they can call their own. Um, so I'm not saying it's wrong or right. Uh, I think we're still trying to figure it out. I think it's just a matter of who you speak to, right? And you're going to get a different reaction from everyone at the moment. I think your reaction to uh, the comment uh, was definitely ha- right, right? Like 
if you feel like you've um, overstepped or you have appropriated something, always take a step back and say, hey, that was not my intention and I hear you and I'll make the necessary changes if you feel like that's adequate. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have their opinions and people are sensitive. So you just have to be mindful of that. Yeah. And I, I, I try to be, I just, I, I think for me, I always try to understand the why behind everything. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I just, I'd like to get everyone's yeah. opinion on it. And It's hard. You know, like as a Latino myself, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Right. Uh, <laughs> as a, I guess as a, as a white freckly dude from upstate New York, I'm just like, I, yeah. just, I don't know. I mean, um, I, but I, I, but I, yeah, when I go to Dominican Republic here in America, I'm Latina. I'm proud. Um, you know, I can speak the language. I have curly hair. My skin is tan and I'm so proud. And I get to the Dominican Republic and the moment I step down, like, oh, there goes La Gringa. She's back. You know, because to them, I was not born there. My Spanish, yeah. although I speak Spanish here, is not as good as theirs there. Or, you know, yeah. the dialect is not right on. Or there's a lot of words or things that I just don't know. Um, and I get treated differently there. Um, so really, it yeah. just, a lot of it is your environment, who you're speaking to. Um, and when I'm there, I, I listen and I'm, you know, I take the student role and I'm just like, I'm observing and I'm taking it all in so that when I come back, I'm like, all right, I'm a better version of my Latina self when I get back to this. Mm. And that's all you can do. Yeah. 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 And do you, do you feel, um, you know, the different countries get very tribal, like, um, you know, we're, you know, you know, in America here, we're all like Yankees fans against Red Sox fans. And is it that way in the Latin community? And oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'll give you the example of, um, so I told you I grew up in a small catering business at home. One of the number one selling items out of my mom's kitchen with her were her pastelitos. Uh, so in the Caribbean, uh, some of us call them pastelitos. Some people call them empanadas. Some people call them patties, right? If you're from Jamaica. And it doesn't matter where you're from. Everybody has a piece of dough that has some type of filling that you either fry, you bake, um, and there's some type of protein or uh, veggies in it. If you're Puerto Rican, you think yours are better. If you're from Jamaica, patties you know, are definitely better than pastelitos in their eyes. And it's just like we're always fighting or we're always in competition to, to say who's best at doing this particular thing. The reality is that they're all a little different. Um, I think the one thing we can agree on, if it's good, we're going to go out of our comfort zone and say, okay, pastelitos are better, but Jamaican patties, man, those are special, right? And I think that's what I love about the culture. Like, we're definitely um, competitive in terms of uh, who's best or uh, who makes the best, you know, rice and beans. But if the the food is actually really, really good, I think we'll admit that out loud, um, which Mm. which is nice. Yeah. 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 Is there anyone that's like, um, you know, you're very entrepreneurial, you have a great personality about you. Like, is there anyone, I mean, obviously your mom, but anyone else that inspires you? Is there anyone that you look at, anyone that you listen to? Like what, you know, what other people around you, maybe not direct mentors, but, you know, people that are out there that you're following and that, that help inspire you? Good question, man. Can I take out my Instagram right now? Um, you do whatever you want. There's no rules here. I think, you know, I'm trying to think of someone in particular. I think I just really enjoy, and I hate that I'm going to say this and I'm going to get a lot of uh, shit for it. Uh, and sorry, no. before, but I always think of JLo because she's someone who 
obviously in the Latin community, she's like our queen bee. Like African-Americans have Beyonce, we have J-Lo. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what I love about her or people who remind me of her is that they're always constantly reinventing themselves. Uh, so, you know, J-Lo started as a dancer. She was an actress. Some say she's not the best actress, she's right? She's a fly girl. Um, but somehow she's still relevant, right? She's a fly girl. Um, she's doing endorsements. She can sing in Spanish, although her Spanish is terrible. Um, and she's still here and she's vibrant and she has abs and she's working out. And it's like, mm-hmm. wow, how does this woman find time to do all of this? And when she gets tired of doing something, she pivots and she does it a di- differently or does something else. Um, like I'm, I'm pretty sure you saw the Super Bowl performance. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I was the one person in my living room yelling for her and Shakira. And they're like, wow, you are very passionate about J-Lo and Shakira. I'm just like, you don't understand. This is, this is like our queen, right? Um, but I think what people love about her is that she's constantly changing what she's doing whether it's a clothing line, whether it's, you know, sunglasses that she's selling or whether she's dancing. Um, but I love the fact that she's always changing what she's doing. And I think I, that's something that I definitely admire. I think in our own world, sometimes we get a little stale. We go to work, we come back, we work out, we eat, we sleep. And it's like, I'm always trying to ask myself, what more can I be doing? Um, yeah. which, going back to the whole COVID and being uh, quarantined, like my goal throughout all of this is to really you know, revisit my business plan. You know, what are all those things that I said I was going to do that I haven't had time to do or get around to it, right? Um, I don't know. I, I've always said, I'm going to work out and I have this gym membership and I'm doing, um, you know, Orange Theory. I haven't had a gym membership and I've been working out more than I ever have, right? Yeah. Um, I'm cooking more things than I've ever done before. Yeah, sometimes I have to YouTube or go on the Food Network channel, uh, but who cares? You know, it's like, I'm building my my armoire of recipes now while I'm at home, and I think that's that's beautiful. Yeah, what's uh, what's some of your favorite restaurants when they're open in your area? Uh, so I recently moved to New York when I went back to business. Uh, sorry, to Boston when I came back to business school. Uh, but since I've been here, there's a few that if you're ever in the area, I would say uh, Midas Mita. Uh, it's an Italian restaurant um, owned by an African American chef. Uh, which is amazing. Um, uh, Daryl's Corner Bar and Grill. Uh, this place has great soul food. Uh, but what I love about Daryl's is that there's always a live performance happening every night. Um, mm. so it's like it has, it gives me Harlem vibes every time I go there. Um, so I love that place. And then uh, just a smaller restaurant that we work with uh, through uh, Commonwealth Kitchen, uh, Yalu's. Uh, so they do um, stir fry bowls. Um, and it's a restaurant that you wouldn't expect would make stir fry bowls, but for some reason they're delicious. Um, but Boston mm. has a lot of uh, great restaurants. I think it's just a matter of like knowing where to go. I feel like in New York, I was spoiled. If you took a left or a right, if you go down the street, there's so many restaurants and most of them are delicious. Um, yep. in Boston, I think they're a little, a little more challenging to find. Um, but yeah. Yeah. You can pretty much get, any type of cuisine delivered in New York City at any time of the day. For sure. Um, you know, I wonder how the restaurant industry is going to be impacted after all of this is over in terms of dining, right? If yeah. people are so concerned about being six feet away from each other, New York restaurants, some of them only have five tables in them. So what does that right. mean for these hole in the walls, right, that we call 
Um, is it going to be like a couple dining at a time? Uh, that's not going to yield the revenue that you're looking for. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried. I'm hopeful, but definitely a little concerned about what's going to happen with small, the smaller restaurants. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's most of New York, unless you're a big chain, you own a tiny restaurant. Like you said, I, one of my favorite places that I go to is upstate. It's on um, uh, like uh, sixth street in New York city. And it, I think it has five tables, like five tables and a little counter. Um, So what are they going to do? Yeah. And most places are like that small bars, you know, they're, it's all tiny. Um, So it's super going to, it's going to be interesting you know, to see how this all plays out. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Well, I can't um, wait until I get to dine out again. I can't wait for a waitress to tell me, can I take your order? Would you like to hear the specials <laughs> today? Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite hobbies when I lived in New York and man, I would give anything yeah. to do that right now. But yeah. 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 I don't, I don't blame you at all. Um, so what else is, um, you know, with, with what you do in, in the kitchen, you know, can, how do people find out about it or can, can people get involved? Can, can people volunteer their time? I mean, obviously right now it might be hard to volunteer any time, but yeah, you know. no, there's, there's always opportunity, Walter, um, you know, through Commonwealth kitchen, like I mentioned, uh, we're partnering with the city and other, uh, uh, companies in the area to provide emergency meals, uh, to those that are in need. Um, we're definitely looking for volunteers. Um, definitely mm. go to our uh, website, uh, comeofkitchen.org, uh, and fill out a contact us form. Uh, we sh- we we're definitely looking for volunteers, particularly to do uh, distribution on the ground. Um, definitely recommend people to take safety precautions and only volunteer your time if you can. Um, but there's there's so many people in need, and a lot of people can't leave their homes. So we're trying to figure out a way. For those people who can meet us at these sites that we've kind of uh, outlined in the city, uh, how do we get these meals to people um, at their doorstep? And that's really that that last mile yeah. is probably the most troublesome at the moment. Yeah, geez, I mean, you you so you you do so much stuff, yeah. <laughs> and Fun. you know when we got connected through our mutual friend, I mean, you seem to. I was like, hey, I'm trying to do this thing. And you're like, I know this person and this person and this person and this person. Um, you know, how do you, your networking seems to be great. Like how, is this something that have you always been just a friendly outgoing person? Yeah. Or is this something that um, you cultivated over sorry, time? Sorry, you from Walter. No worries. I always take the, I don't know, the mentality of always offering someone something of value before you take something from them. Um, I don't know who taught me this, but when I meet people, it's like my brain is working faster than like I can speak. It's like the moment I meet someone, like I can think of five people that I can connect them with that will make their yeah. life better or will get them answers to whatever they're looking for. When Sky reached out, it's like, oh, I have my buddy Walter and he does this, our agave. And I'm like, oh, it was like, ding, 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 ding. I was like, cool. I know five people he could talk to. And Sky was like, no, he wants to talk to you. And I was like, okay, fine. But I'm also going to introduce him to like these other people that I think he would love to like interview or speak to, particularly in, in the podcast world. Um, I don't know. I, I I try to be humble. I try not to ever think that I'm better than anyone. But I think what I said earlier, just like always offering yourself before uh, wanting to get something from someone has always been my key. I um, mean, that's been working so far. Um, 
Yeah. A lot of these people are just my friends. You know, I think when I was mm. younger, yes, you go out and party um, or you'll go on dates with people. And then as you get older, I think an ex-boyfriend of mine told me this. Um, he's like, there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to be the movers and shakers of the world. Right. Right now you're young. Right now you're asking people to go on coffee chats and some will respond to you. Some won't. But then you're going to be in a position where you're going to be making the decisions. You're going to be the key player. Yeah. And I feel like I'm finally at that stage in life where I'm just like, I'm making decisions. I could actually connect you to these people. Um, sometimes I don't have to make a line to go into places. Right. So we're finally like evolving and getting to that point. And if I could return the favor, if someone's done something great for me, then I I'd love to do that. You know, Walter, like I'm sure one day I'm going to need something. I'm like, Hey, Walter, remember that time? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But don't you think it helps to just, connect and do and it, to me I, i've learned that early on too it just it kind of comes back like it all kind of connects you know um so yeah i mean i just I, I know friends when i was starting my entrepreneurial world that were very like i want a piece of that and give me some of this and they were very controlling of the situation and it never worked out the more i'm like when people are like i'm the same way and the more i just connect and let them go do business it, it comes back around and you're right. It might come back three years later or I could, I could call that person up and say, Hey, you remember the thing? And and they're like, Oh yeah, let me help you out. And I don't know, just seems to make things go so much easier than trying to negotiate a piece of a deal because you connected somebody and they might do something someday. Right. Um, and so I many, that's cool and are, a good trait to have. So many of you are impatient. You know, I think when you're starting mm. your own thing, as you know, it's, it's nothing when it starts, uh, but you have a vision and you have all this tenacity and like, you're so eager to get out there. And some people will take you seriously, some won't, um, but you keep working on it and you keep working on it. And then at some point you'll get a, you know, a feature in the Boston Globe or the New York Times. And then now everybody wants to, you know, help Walter. Um, so it's just funny how the world works. You know, I think help people when they're at their lowest and when they're starting, um, you know, the, my friend who you're going to interview, uh, Michael Diaz, I remember when he was doing parody videos on YouTube. And like, I thought they were hilarious. And we would send them uh, to our friends within our own community. And now he's, you know, he, he, he'll still tell you he's not a big shot, but like he has his own podcast. He's doing really well. He's yeah. on commercials. He's on SNL. And now everybody's like, oh, Michael Diaz, he's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I remember <laughs> he was just like the funny guy that we used to hang out with and drink together. Right. Uh, but it's yeah. I well, I, I, I had a call with him. And he's so he's so laid back. Like He's just so chill. And, yeah. you know, it's funny because like you, you connected me and like I Googled him. And I'm like, oh, he's kind of a thing. He's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And uh, we got on the call and he's just like, hey, man, what's going on? I had some some almond flour pancakes today. And I'm like, I had we literally talked about almond flour pancakes for 20 serious? minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was just That's then funny. I was like, wait a minute. Can you can we talk about podcasting and stuff? And it was. Yeah. <laughs> So he's very chilled. Yeah, you'll love him. He's he's a funny guy. Nice. Um, yeah. So I mean, how do you? I mean, you're you know you're you've got this entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know what's what's what do you see next for you in the next three years, five years? Obviously, we get back to some sort of normalcy. Um, you know where where would you like to be? What what do you want to be doing? You know, if you yeah. could wave the magic wand and say three or five years, I want to be helping or doing like you know. Where do you want to be personally? Personally, um, there's definitely this entrepreneurial um, spirit in me, and I'm trying to figure out what that is. I've been taking mm. 
my quarantine time to work on. I think when we had spoken, you know, I, I left New York for a reason. And I think I'm definitely where I'm supposed to be in terms of here in Boston. But there's so many aspects of New York that I feel like I want to bring to the city of Boston. And there's things that I miss, yeah. right? Uh, the one that always comes to mind is Smorgasburg. I used to love getting up on the weekends, taking the train <laughs> to Brooklyn, spending hours just like trying different foods, you know, hanging out, getting a beer, going to Williamsburg after. And like, wow, Boston doesn't have any of that. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate of supporting small businesses, particularly in the food industry. And uh, I've been working on a plan post pandemic uh, to bring people together. Right. And I think a version of a smorgasbord here in Boston could do extremely well um, and really help those businesses that have made it through the pandemic. Right. How do we reintroduce them back to society? Um, maybe it's a welcome yeah. home and it's an open air market of some sort. But that's that's my goal for the next year. I don't know how long we're going to be in this situation, um, but I've been kind of fine tuning my my plans and reaching out to my network to to make this a, a thing again. Uh, so I can't wait. To yeah. 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 Well, maybe maybe we need to do an Arte Agave in yeah. Boston. Right. Hey, okay. <laughs> put it out of the air. Um, I would be uh, that would be really cool. So let's let's definitely uh, put that into uh, the atmosphere and make it a reality. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, it's New York. You said you lived in New York, right? <clears throat> there's an event, and there's an event every other day. There's a smorgasbord, yeah, there's a there's festival, there's a yeah. da, 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 da. So when I when I took Arte Agave to D.C., you know, and D.C. is a big market, and, and they do events down there, but a lot of people are like, oh, this is cool. We don't really have anything like this. And I'm like, how does D.C. not have – like, there's some tequila events, you know, that are just a shit show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's when you, it's kind of nice when you go to the other bigger cities, bigger markets, they're like, Oh, we don't, we don't have that. I'm just in New York. It's just, it's so saturated with a festival event, so a this, a that a hundred percent. And New Yorkers are spoiled and they don't even want to pay tickets for like, like my tickets, like 85, like, Oh my God, 85. I'm like 85 for three, three and a half hour unlimited tasting samplings. I mean, some of the tequilas you're tasting are like $30 a shot. And New Yorkers are like, Oh, I can't believe you're charging that. I'm like, it's just so much food. I have seven different chefs here and you know, they're just, they're like made and like, ah, oh, there's just so much going on. So anyway, I could, I could talk for hours on, <laughs> on New York and New Yorkers, <laughs> but yeah, we definitely, definitely got to look in, into Boston and, and try to get something going. Please. Um, we need it. There with you. We need it. Yeah. So how, I mean, how's just the, the city in general up, up in, up in Boston? I mean, are people itching to get out or people fighting the, yeah. What's? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like in my pod, like my home, um, we've been doing really well <laughs> the grocery store every other week. Um, and definitely trying to stay indoors. I do have to sometimes leave my home to go to work. Um, I do see cars on the road, but technically if you're in your car, you're still quarantined. Um, I think sometimes you just need a ride and you just need to get out for a little bit and come right back. Um, it's tough to say. I mean, Boston's big on um, hospitals, right? And medical professionals. So uh, mm. there's definitely people that are out just given the industries that are here. Um, but people are itching to get out. Uh, I get up early to work out because I know there's no one on the street, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think it's going to get even more challenging as the weather starts to get warmer. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily it's been, I mean, I'm actually down in Virginia right now. I've, I'm not in New York City. I've, I've no need to be there. Yeah. Um, and it's been kind of cold and raining here. So it's kind of helped keep people indoors. And once the sun comes out, it's just, I mean, there's people everywhere. It's like, it's almost yeah. like chaos outside. Um, how crazy it is. So, um, you know, so, you know, before we kind of finish up our call, I wanted to kind of get back to a little bit of the Latin culture and community. And, you know, if you could sort of, what, what is, I mean, someone like myself, right. I'm, I'm, I know a little bit about culture, not a ton, you know, what other resources are out there, whether it be books or any other podcasts, YouTube, is there any other resources to learn more about the culture, learn more about the history? Obviously, you know, you mentioned we're not doing too much in the school system today. So if somebody kind of wants to deep dive and really learn, um, what other, oh, Uh oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I can my, hear you fine. Yeah. It could be my Wi-Fi. Uh, repeat the the last thirty seconds again. Yeah, just I was saying, you know, wanted to say if 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 people like myself that want to learn more about like Latin culture, what other resources are out there besides having a conversation like this, which I think is super important? Any books that you know about, you know, YouTube, other podcasts, um, anything else available that people can look at? Yeah. Um, the book that made me fall in love with, uh, reading, uh, which, which is partly in Spanish and partly in English. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of an author by the name of Juno Diaz. So Juno Diaz wrote a book called The Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde. Um, he's a Dominican author, Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, that book, it goes deep into culture, into insecurities of growing up as an adolescent in the, in the island. Um, and I feel has a lot of uh, just like accolades of like what it means to be a, a Latin person. Um, that would be the, the one book I recommend yeah. um, that I can definitely like stand behind. Um, I've been following this lady. I was trying to find her on YouTube. She's Mexican like older grandmother who definitely comes from like an inner city in Mexico. And she cooks uh, meals on like open fires uh, made out of like stone or something. Um, I just love watching her because it's, it's so simple. It's just like the ingredients that she gets from her farm. Um, she's using buckets and like tin cans to cook like mole sauce and like um, enchiladas. And you're like, she doesn't use anything fancy or any of the tools that we have uh, in our kitchen. It's just like, wow, and she makes these amazing meals. But she's also describing, you know, what does mole sauce uh, mean? Where does it come from? I um, mean, I've been very intrigued by her. Um, I'll send you, I don't know her name off the top of my head, but I'll send you her um, her YouTube. No worries. Yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, the her YouTube channel is called De Mi Rancho a Tu Cocina. So from my farm to your kitchen. Mm. Um, and she's fascinating. She's been my favorite person on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> nice. S- send me the link. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard, you know, I think for me, like I don't I don't read books to learn bo- more about my culture. Like I spend time with people, right? Yeah. Um, right. You know, at the kitchen where I work, uh, we have people from Cameroon from Africa. We have people from 
Mexico. We have people that come from, you know, Israel. And it's just like, I just like talking to them and letting them tell me, you know, why are you making this food? Why is it so important to you? Yeah. The lady Paulette, uh, she just texted me is why she comes to mind. She's from Cameroon. And, you know, he ha- she had her father pass away. And she's like, would you like to come to the wake? And I was like, um, you know, that's an interesting request. I didn't want to say <laughs> no. And I went right. to a Cameroonian wake and it was just the most beautiful cultural experience I had ever gone through. Uh, you know, it's like eight hours long. There was so much food, uh, dancing, there's crying, there's um, fabrics and like what people wear and their like cultural garments. And I'm like, wow, wow I feel like I learned like that must have been like a semester of Cool for me. All in eight hours. And it was just so um, enlightening to just be there. Yeah. Um, It's not something that I could have read in a book. You kind of just had to be there. Um, So, like, the next time you get an opportunity to go to, like, a Latino baby shower, go. Mm. Okay. Um, It's not your (laughs) baby shower. It's like a party. And there's, like, beans and people are dancing. And it's just, like, not being afraid to kind of, like, dive deep into it. Um, Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I feel like that's kind of what you need to do. And, you know, just to be open to other people's like, just because you do it one way, to me, it doesn't mean it's the right way, right? I've been taught to do this, that, and the other thing, or, you know, I grew up Catholic, you know, so like, as you get older, you're like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe that's not the end all be all, you know? So I think it's awesome that you can just jump into other people's lives and just say, okay, cool. This is, this is how you do it. I think, I think if we all did more of that, we'd all realize we're just, we're all pretty much the same, right? We just do things a little bit differently. Um, you know, so I, I know I, I try to preach the same thing and, and just, you got to get out more, you know, go visit somebody, go visit a different country, go visit a different city, go into someone else's house, see how they prepare a meal. I think food, you know, is the, is the common language for everybody, you know, it's just, and like you mentioned the empanadas or something with meat inside of dough, like everyone does it just a little bit different called something different culture. Does it right? Like who doesn't love siblings? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I can't wait till we can travel again. I think what I love about traveling and food, like when I go to another country, I don't want the travel, the trip advisor guide on like, this is what you should do when you're in Spain. I'm just like, no, yeah. go into the neighborhood through the yep. nooks and crannies of the, the, the callejones, like the side streets. And like, I want to just like walk into a place and say like, what do you like to eat here? Like you yeah. tell me what I should eat. Right. And like, that's really how you get to know a country. And it's just, it makes it that m- much more exciting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love it. And that's, I used to, me and my wife used to do that too. Anywhere we went, we'd just find the bar go right to the bartender, the waitress. And they, they, they would try to give us like the trip advisor stuff. I was like, no, 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 no. I think that's what you want. Where do you go? Right. Yeah. And, which is cool. But like, I'm like, no, no. After work, where are you guys going? Like, where are you, you know, where are you guys going to drink? Where are you going to party? Where are you going to eat? And they're like, oh, if you really want, there's Sam's over. I'm like, yeah, I want Sam's yeah, down the corner exactly. in the hole, knock on the door. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of my trip to Cuba. I went to Cuba when I turned 30 three years ago now, um, the Airbnb hosts, which I'm in Cuba, they call them Casa Particulares. Um, she found out it was my birthday and I spent all day on the beach. I was in Baradero and she's like, Oh, do you guys want us to cook for you tonight? And I said, sure. She was like, do you care what it is? I'm like, 
you guys, whatever's fresh, whatever's local. And I come back to like a five course meal. She made her husband like our uh, bartender. He had like a towel over his hand, got us champagne um, from like uh, sweet plantains filled with like ham to like a steak. There was lobster, like over the top. I didn't expect any of this. And I was like, oh my God. Is that, so- that Airbnb? Airbnb. And I, I actually <laughs> wrote a blog about it. I'll send it to you. I couldn't believe that they went, they did all this for, for my birthday. Um, she ends the night with, you know, I didn't know how to make birthday cake. So I made you this huge flan and she put like a candle on it, which is who doesn't love flan. Right. Um, and you know, in Cuba, uh, education is free. So when you meet people, they've had multiple careers by the time you meet them. Right. So she's like, you know, mm-hmm. before I was a mechanical engineer. Mm-hmm. I used to be a violinist. She's like, would you mind if I played you a song? And I was like, please, please play. And she starts to play Hello by Adele because she thought I would like to hear that song, which was beautiful, right? <laughs> and then she's like, can I play you a song that we, uh, you know, play for people uh, in our culture? And I'm like, it was just beautiful. Like I was in tears the whole time. And like, those are the experiences wow. that you remember, right? That's what makes Cuba, Cuba, like the hospitality, the people, the food was delicious. Don't get me wrong, but just the way I was treated and the fact that it doesn't matter where you go. Even if I told you to sit down or, you know, register with this Airbnb host for your trip, it's never going to be that same experience. Um, And that's what I, people kind of look for when they're traveling or getting to know a different culture. It's just like your experience is going to be different than anyone else's, but just like accept it and just like immerse yourself in it. Right. Yeah. Just be open to, to try new things. You know, you mentioned that, you know, so Cuba education's free. Some people have different careers. Do you think here in America that we get locked into this like, go to college, pick a pick a career, and do your thing? Where you know, to me, I'm I like I like to try new things now. I wish I was younger trying all these different things. I try to. I've got my nephew, and he's he's 19, and he's freaking out in college. I'm like, bro. You have so much time, like try other things and do other things. And, you know, I don't, you know, I, I love the fact that you can have three careers and four careers and try different things. And, you know, I kind of want your opinion on, on that as well. You seem very entrepreneurial. You've got your yeah. hands in a lot of different dishes. Absolutely. You know, so I do, I do think, you know, we go to, your parents tell you go to school, make sure you go to school, graduate, you know, for women, it's like, don't get pregnant, go to school. And it's like, okay, mom, I can do it. <laughs> Um, the basics for marketing, you know, I thought it was exciting. And once I started, uh, you know, working in the industry, I was just like, I mean, this is okay. There's a lot of perks at a corporate card. I could take my clients out to any restaurant I wanted. Um, but when I was, actually, mm. you know, in front of my computer doing the work, I was like, this can't be it. Um, yeah. again, you know, I always go back to those mentors and coaches because the, the individual who I dated at the time, he sat down with me and he's like, I went to Wharton, but you're so much smarter than me. And he's like, and you're better, <laughs> like, and you have a better personality and people like you. Um, and he always told me that. And he's just like, you know, I'm not telling you to go back to school. Not everyone needs school. Um, but I remember him telling me, he's like, you're happiest when you're cooking, entertaining someone or like hosting a, a private dinner. Um, and I know you mm-hmm. do this for your friends because, you know, that's what you like to do. It's not something that you get paid for. But he's like, think about the things that bring you joy. Think about the things that when you're doing this activity, you're not looking at your phone. 
right? Those are the things that are going to make you happy. If you can make money out of these things, then like you should focus on that. Um, it took a lot for me to say, I'm going to yeah. do advertising. I was getting paid very well. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this for me, even if it's, if I don't get paid what I was making before. It's not about that, right? You can always figure out how to make money. I mean, you know, yeah. you're, you're an entrepreneur, you're a hustler. There's money to be made. I think it's about finding what, what makes you happy, right? Um, I've been fortunate enough to pivot careers and land in a place that I feel like is exactly where I want it to be. Um, you know, even being in this pandemic, like I said, I wanted to work in the food industry and I wanted to help people that look like me. Um, and I'm doing exactly that right now. And I feel very fortunate. And I know that um, not a lot of people can say that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that note, I think we can we can end it on on that beautiful ending. Um, so what once again, how can people, you know, find you, Instagram, all your businesses? Um, just for sure. Lay it out. Um, We're, on Instagram, um la uh, LA underscore conexion. Um, that's my business account. And then my personal is uh Melly Mills underscore nine seven eight. Um nine seven eight because that used to be my area code back in the day in Salem. Um, but yeah, feel free to send me a DM. I'll respond to you. And if you ever want to collaborate, just let me know. Cool. I like that. Well, thanks. Um, thanks for your time. I appreciate this. Awesome. I now have six months <laughs> to get this language thing down. Um, and please do me a favor. And I, I really, I mean this, just hit me up every few weeks and push I me. I got you. Um, I don't, I don't mind it at all. Okay. Um, and, and thank you again for, I mean, you responded so quickly and, and you've given me other connections and um, you're truly like a, a really good connector. So thanks for uh, taking the time and talking to me today. Of course. I think your test for your 2020 uh, resolution will be interviewing like someone's mom um, to see if mm. good content out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. I, I need I need, I think I need a couple moms um, on here. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot you a text after this to find me a mom. I got so. you. <laughs> right, well, if you need anything, just let me know. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye.